When I was a kid, my greatest adventures were at the river bank or at the river. You'll see in a minute why it's not just on the bank, but I love being at the river. And I'm not talking about the Tennessee River here. I'm talking about the Locust Fork of the Black Warrior River that looped its way around the town I grew up in. That river, you know, at its widest place wasn't as wide as this room. But uh, it was just the right size for a bunch of young boys to go and play and swim and boat and fish and hunt. And so some of my greatest adventures were right there on the river. I, I remember when I was about 13, I had uh, cut, enough cut enough grass to earn enough money to buy myself a pump 12-gauge shotgun. And so... I'd been, I'd been idolizing Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett for most of my young childhood. And so, uh, you know, by this age, I was ready to quit reading books about it. I wanted to get out in the woods and do something about it. And so me and a friend of mine who was just a little bit reckless, we decided to go hunting down by the river. Now, my friend had a double gauge, 12, a double barrel 12 gauge sawed off. The whole gun was about that long. I don't know where he got it. It was probably illegal. We borrowed, borrowed somebody's boat tied up at the river's edge, paddled our way across this river. This is like November. Paddled our way across this river with a log. Didn't they want to paddle in the boat? We got to the other bank and my wonderful buddy turned around with his double-barrel 12-gauge shotgun and blew a hole in the bottom of the boat. And this was before school shootings. This was before a lot of crazy things have happened in our country. I should have been horrified, but I was really just aggravated. And I was thinking, what have you done to somebody's boat? And... How are we going to get back across? And so we hunted up and down the riverbank and killed nothing. And now it's time to get home. And it's getting cold. And so we end up wading the river in the rapids with our guns over our heads and walked home as our clothes began to freeze on us. I'll never forget that. So what I'm telling you is some of my greatest adventures were experienced at the river and almost every one of them were laced with a little bit of danger. But boy, they make good stories. I got a few others, but we'll just suffice that one. Potential danger lurk behind every adventure, but I want to say this to you today. Living life without risk without risking something, is really not living at all. I want to take you back 3,000 years to a whole nation standing on a riverbank. The Jordan River at flood stage, no less, that separated them from the target they had been aiming at for 40 years. Many of them were born in the wilderness journeys. They had, they don't even, they never lived in Egypt like their mamas and daddies did that died in the desert. But they've been marching in circles for 40 years and they're at the riverbank about 
to go in to the thing that God had promised 450 years before this. Because you see, the people of God had gone into Egypt when Joseph was the vice regent. Jacob, his father, brought all his brothers and families into Egypt and they became slaves and were the slaves of Pharaoh for the better part of 400 years. You know the story. God brought them out, opened the Red Sea, gave them victory over some enemies that were trying to attack them, fed them manna out of heaven every day. And the cloud of his glory stood over them in spite of all the rascally things they did. But now they're standing at the riverbank just like they had stood at the Red Sea 40 years before. They're standing at the river on the bank and it's time. Now, I just want you to get this setting in your head. And, and I know I'm getting a little started a little later than I usually do, but I believe everything we've done here this morning was appropriate in order and beneficial to you starting your new year outright. And so I may go past 12 o'clock. No, no newsflash, right? But I believe God has a message for us today. Not just another teaching, not just another lesson, not just another sermon. I believe what I'm going to share with you today, the Holy Spirit wants to bring you to that place that Renee was talking about earlier. I believe that. So here they were, sitting on the riverbank. Crossing the river did, would not mean immediate victory. Hear me. Crossing the river would not mean immediate victory. But it would mean opportunity to fight and win. And I want you to remember those words. It would mean the opportunity to fight the battles God had in front of them and win those battles. I just want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, we're going to win. Say, we're going to win. We are going to win. We're not talking about winning over our, uh, you know, over our quote unquote. We're not talking about people. We're talking about spiritual battles that every one of us have in front of us right now. It is going to be an awesome year, but you know what's going to be awesome about it is we're going to fight battles. And we're going to win battles. That's what's going to be awesome about it. We don't have any idea what's coming this year. Except this one thing. God's got victory for his people. God has victory for his people. But this victory would never happen. Please hear me. This victory would never have happened if they had clung to the safety of the East Bank. It would never have happened. And neither will your victory happen this year if you cling to the safety of the bank. So let's read together. I'm going to read more than I usually like to read from the scriptures. So if you would, please follow with me. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Moses, my servant is dead. Now, 
then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to, the, to Lebanon, from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one, say no one, will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Heard that before? I, I believe Jesus says that somewhere, doesn't he? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. I thought he had already said that. Oh, he says it several times. Be strong. That's because it's important. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. To not turn from it from, to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If you don't get anything else out of this this, this morning, please get this. You do not have to go into 2024 afraid. You do not have to go into 2024 afraid. Be strong and courageous. Understand He is with you. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan. Now that's a big statement because it's at flood stage. It's a big statement. It's a statement of faith. It's a statement of looking forward three days and saying, listen, we're about to go over that river. So just get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. T.D. Jakes. You never heard him preach. You Anyway. Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Now, I just want you to put yourself in these people's steps for just a minute. You've been aiming at something. Most of these men of fighting age have been looking forward to this moment their whole life. And now there is a huge barrier between them and getting it on with the enemy. A flooded river. They never saw the Red Sea split. They just heard stories. What they did see is the glory cloud of God. What they did see is daily manna and quail fly down and say, eat me. What they did see was bitter water turn sweet and water come out of a rock and fire come out of heaven and consume some rebellious rebels. But here they sit at the bank. Something they've aimed at for years, but there were still barriers, the unknown, enemies between them and the promise and the potential God had given them. And you know what? Every one of us sitting here this morning are in their shoes. 
Every one of us have things in our heart we prayed for, we long for, we look for, we work toward, and yet there are still barriers and there are still delays and there are still disappointments. Am I right? I know I'm right. And even if that's not real and pressing on your heart about you right now, it is somebody you love. So put yourself in their shoes. Let's go to the chapter 3. In between these two chapters are the two spies going into Jericho. But in chapter 3, we pick the story up. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Basically, the ark was called the Ark of the Presence, by the way. And it was considered by those people to be the local focal point of the presence of God. So when that ark moved forward in their minds and in their experience, the glory cloud of God was moving with it. So they're following the presence of God. Then you will know which way to go since you have never, say never, you have never been this way before. I, I just, I'm just going to have to stop and preach for a minute. Because listen, we're about to go into a new year. And some of us have a few years under our belt. All you gray hairs and bald heads, say amen. amen. Some of us got a few years under our belts. We've learned a few things. We know how some things work. Amen, yes. old folks. Amen. Yes. I'm including myself. But we've never been where we're going this year. Oh, there's going to, things, there's going to be things happen this year that were like last year or like, were like two years or three years ago. But we have no idea what's going to happen this year. We've never been where God's taken us this year. And we need His divine guidance. We need His divine enablement to accomplish what He's called us to this year. As much as they needed it, hear me, you need it. I need it. This year. I'm stopping because this is not just a sermon. This is a word from the Lord. I don't say that every week. And if you've been here a while, you know, I don't say that every week. But this is a word from the Lord. You got to make a decision whether you're going to accept it for you. You got decisions to make as you sit and listen to me. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. And here's the key for this whole message. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow he will do amazing things among you. Or in some versions it says he will do wonders among you. 
Anybody want some wonders? Some amazing things? Will you take some amazing things this year? Could you handle that? Consecrate yourselves. And here's my first point. For leaving the comfort zone. Because see, what, what these people were doing, they were camping on the bank that did not require stepping into floodwaters. They were camping on the bank that did not require fighting against walled cities and giants. They had already won some battles on the East Bank. They had made enough room for two of their tribes on the East Bank, but there was not room for all of them, but it was still their comfort zone. It would have been great just to camp out on the bank and never step into the water. But just like I said about my childhood adventures, I didn't just sit on the bank. I, wasn't much, I didn't have much patience and I never really learned how to fish, so I had to find something fun to do. And it usually involved being in the water. I can't believe my parents would let me and my brothers at 10 and 11 and 12 years old go to the river and stay all day with no adult supervision, but they did. And some of you old folks will understand this. Those were different days. Basically, Joshua was telling the people, get ready to leave the bank. We're about to go all in. Because you see, once they crossed the Jordan River, they were hemmed in with their enemies. They weren't alone on the other side when they got across the river. When that river rolled back and they walked across and that river rolled back in its place, which they knew it would eventually, they were hemmed in with their enemies. And they had to deal with the battle. Consecrate yourselves for leaving the comfort zone. What does consecrate mean? It means to set apart, to make holy. God was saying, set yourself apart for the battle and the inheritance you're going to win from the battle. And that includes leaving the bank of your comfort zone. Can I tell you, neither I nor you will accomplish or experience the wonders that he's called us to this year unless we are willing to give up a degree of comfort, a place of safety where we risk nothing and invest nothing. No, we can't buy God's grace or His miracles, but I tell you what we can do. We can invest our heart, our time, our, 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 our attention. We can invest in what God is leading us to. That is an act of consecration. It's an act of baptism. And by the way, next Sunday, we're baptizing right here. And we got at least four people I know want to be baptized. And we are going to have a hallelujah celebration. But this was an all-in kind of move. No turning back. I remember the first time I ever jumped off the high dive. Anybody remember that experience? Woo, boy, I love splashing around and jumping in from the edge of the pool. Woo! But I always would look up and go, wow, I wonder what that's like. I was scared. I mean, I was probably... 
nine or ten years old, first time I went to a pool, had a high dive. And I saw my brothers jumping off. I saw other people, other bigger guys jumping off. And, but I was so safe and just paddling around in the shallow end and, and jumping off and making a big splash. And, but my, I just kept looking up there. There finally came a point where I said, I, I, I got to try. I'm ashamed that I hadn't exerted any more courage as a young boy. And so I went to the ladder. And I don't know if y'all remember, but in those days there was a ladder and everybody was lined up on the ladder and you, somebody's feet were right here and your eyes were about level with their rear end. And it was it's like, And you just inched your way up because I wasn't the only kid that would get out on the diving board and look down and go. <laughs> right? Some of you, you're laughing because you remember this. You feel it right here. And I remember get, getting to the top of the ladder and going, I think one time I actually, did you ever, were you ever on the ladder and somebody chickened out and they had to climb back down through all the bodies? That was so frustrating, but I understood those people. Those were my people. And I might have even done that one time. But you don't want to do that but once. Because you're going to get the anger of everybody on the ladder and the jeers of everybody that's jumping off and giving you the Bronx cheers, they jump in. But there came a point where I finally got to the end of the diving board. And, and that, that's about what it was like. And I wasn't quite sure, do I, do I get a good run? And, and so I think what I ended up is kind of slipping off and falling in and landing all the wrong ways. And man, I hit with a smack and I barely got my crawl out of that pool going... <laughs> But I did it. In the words of the sermon, I left the bank. And it cost me something. But I moved past paddling around in the shallow wind. And it opened up a new world to me. Israel had worked their way to the riverside and they were about to take this plunge of faith. And the feet of the priest would land in the flooded river and the water was going to roll back. The people maybe weren't sure of that, but the water was going to roll back. And then the question would be in their minds, will I step into that riverbed and follow that ark and those priests across a rolled back river, not knowing when it was going to come back in place? Can I trust God? Can I trust His promises? Can I trust His track record? Can I trust His goodness enough to take a risk and leave the riverbank? Because here's the deal. They would have to leave their comfort zone. Coddling our comfort zone is the first sign of a, is the first sign of a survival mentality. I just want to say this plain and blunt. We cannot afford to merely survive. There's too many 
people's spiritual welfare at stake for His people to stay safe in our little holy huddle and never risk anything to bring more people into His grace and into His love and into His purpose and into His power. We cannot afford to play it safe and just survive. God did not call us to merely survive as believers. He's called us to win and thrive even in a wicked culture. See, clinging to our comfort zone is not an option when real people are lost and broken and we just play it safe. You can, you, can, you, can, you can define that however you want to, whether that's playing it safe financially, playing it safe with what you're willing to talk about at work and at the gym and at the ball field and in the grocery store on the phone or what you're willing to post on Facebook. You can label it and define it however you want. But you know, you know in your heart, I know in my heart when I play it safe. And don't risk anything to touch somebody with the love of God. Maybe even somebody in this room. You would really like to know how they're doing. But you don't know if they like you or not. And you're not willing to go over and just say you're on my mind. And God loves you. And I just want to know how you're doing. How can I pray for you? That's the first step for some of you to get out of your comfort zone is get up and go over there and you get up and go over there and shake somebody's hand and say, I've seen your face, but I don't know your name. I'm sorry, but I care about you. This is where it starts, not where it ends. Israel couldn't stay on, here's the reality. Israel could not stay on the East Bank. There wasn't enough room for them on the East Bank. As a matter of fact, they had already begun fraternizing with the Moabites and started intermingling with them and got caught up in a whole bunch of lewd behavior and 24,000 of them died because of Israel messing around with sin. No, they couldn't afford to stay on the East Bank even though it was comfortable. Manna, here's another thing. If you'll read a few chapters into Joshua, you'll find out that manna would stop when they got across the river. God was about to cut off the gravy train. Now they're going to be in a land where they can feed themselves from the produce of the land and they don't need manna anymore. And they, they couldn't stay on the East Bank and expect manna to keep coming down. That wasn't God's program. They had to move forward or be, listen to me, they had to move forward and be aggressive or they would be assimilated into the culture of the Moabites and would not continue to be the beacon of hope and truth and love to the nations. They'd become like everybody else. Opting for survival is the fast track to compromise and disaster. Hear me. Opting for mere survival is the fast track to compromise our commitment to Christ and for disaster to follow close behind it. God has not called us to hunker down, batten down the hatches and just wait for Jesus to come. Is Jesus coming? Absolutely. 
and the cry of our heart ought to be, I'm going to take everybody with me. I'm going to take everybody I can take with me. I'm going to touch every hurting person I can touch. I'm going to pray. 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 And act. And act. And love. And serve. I'm going to listen to the voice of the Spirit and I'm going to let Him lead me and I'm going to, I'm going to focus my heart on making a difference every day I live. I kept including myself with all the old folks. Can I tell you something? At 64 years old, I know my time's limited. But I'm not done yet. I'm nowhere near done yet. I'm, I'm in a position, I believe, to make the most impact my life has ever made right now. If I'll just leave the riverbank and do it day after day. I'm sorry. I got to get through this. I believe that God used the drag queen show to wake some folks up. I know, I hear they're closing the Legends and Albertville that hosted the show. You know, I'm not gloating over that, but can I tell you, when you mess with God's truth, you mess with God's design, you need to, you need to duck. <laughs> but can I tell you, if nothing else happened from this, this should have happened. We should have been awakened and realize we cannot avoid the battle that's going on in our culture, in our country, for the souls of people. We cannot avoid the battle just by huddling together in this building every Sunday. We cannot, we will not, we have not avoided that battle. The only issue is, is are we fighting because the battle has come to us? Not with flesh and blood, not with people, not with LGBTQ people. This is a spiritual battle. And are we yet awake enough to realize we cannot act like it just won't happen here. It's happening here enough for it to require two shows that night. By the way, the best statistics say that one out of four Gen Z people, and I don't know where Pastor Seth is, I don't know what the, exactly that age is. Don't either off the top of your head. What? 18 to 22, one out of four identify with LGBTQ ideology. One out of four. Except Marshall County. Not. Sorry. You say, why are you talking about this? All that's done and over. No, it ain't done and over. It's just started. It has just started. There is a battle. There is a war going on for the hearts and souls of people that you live next to, that your children go to school with, that you work with, all through this community, all through this state, all through this nation, all through this world. There is a battle going on for their eternal destiny. The issue is, has this test put us on our knees
to realize there was, as I said, enough interest for two shows. Is our heart broken over the lostness of those people or are we just angry we have to fight this battle like a lot of other believers around the world? Are we just mourning our comfort zone crumbling or are we mourning the wickedness and the confusion and the deception that has brought this to our doorstep? What are we mourning over? So, consecrate yourselves not only to leave the comfort zone, but for conquering. Consecrate yourself for conquering. Set yourself apart to conquer. Follow me up there, guys. Consecrate yourselves for conquering. The Lord told Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you all, your, all the days of your life. He's talking about the battles that he was going to face. You see, this is a call to battle. This is a call to battle I'm giving you this morning. Because every one of us have internal battles, we have external battles, and we have spiritual battles. Some of our internal battles are spiritual. As a matter of fact, there's a spiritual layer to, layer to every battle we fight in our lives. And we have, to, we have to learn how to deal with these battles. Joshua evidently had an insecurity issue. Because God had to tell him like four times, be strong and courageous and fear not. He had to tell him, listen, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. He was reassuring Joshua. And some of you this morning, you need to hear the Spirit say, you're my beloved and I've got my hand on you. I've got my eye on you. I am with you and you can win battles this year. Why? Because I'm with you. Demons didn't begin to exist in Jesus' day, by the way. There was demonic influence that caused the Israelites to start flirting with the Moabites. That was demonic. They worshiped demons. And that influence that brought a holy people who had lived under the glory cloud for 40 years and had lived daily miracles, they were still seduced by the lewd and sexual temptations of the Moabites. I'm telling you, there is a demonic attack that is aiming for the hearts, not just of our children, it's aiming for your heart. And we cannot afford just to call a truce, retreat, cover ourselves and say, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. That's not His will. That's not biblical. We're supposed to occupy until He comes. And that means occupying enemy territory and destroying the works of the devil. What does this war look like? It looks like praying through. Hear me. It looks like praying through. What does praying through mean? It means praying until you know in your knower that God has heard and something's happened in the heavenly realms. When's the last time you got on your knees or laid on your face and you said, I will not get up until I have assurance in my soul that heaven has heard me? 
We better learn how to pray through. If we want to win battles this year, you got to learn how to pray through. You better learn how to plead the blood of Jesus we sang about this morning. You better learn how to take authority in the name of Jesus. You better decide you're going to share and you're going to serve and you're going to show Jesus everywhere you go, even at risk. You've got to be willing to do that if you're going to take the battle and win. It means... Doing this with courage and compassion, even if it feels risky. It means reaching past our comfort zone. I want to tell you, I have a friend. Some of you saw him earlier this year, a missionary to Afghanistan. I got a message from him about a week and a half ago that he's had to flee. Because someone he was discipling ratted to the Taliban on him and the 12 or more men that he was discipling. His organization ordered him to leave the country. I'm not even sure where he is, Dubai or Turkmenistan or somewhere, I don't know. But unfortunately, those that he was helping follow the way are not able to flee the country. But can I tell you, those 12 plus men counted the cost when they made the decision. Are they afraid? Yes, they're afraid. Are their families at risk? Yes, they are. They may be in prison by now. I don't know, but I've been praying for them ever since I heard. And I want you to pray for them too because these are real people with faces. These are real people with children and wives, with mothers and fathers that are all at risk because of the decision they've made. They left the river bank. I know I'm going long, but I'm, I'm just telling. If you've got to leave, leave, but I've got to get this out. The final thing is consecrate yourselves for wonders. We're on the bank of a coming revival, folks. We're on the bank of a great ingathering of lost people into the kingdom of God. I'm convinced of that. We're right on the bank of it. The issue is, will we jump in? Will we take steps of faith and action? Will we keep our eyes on the prize and the presence of God? Will we step into the flood of wickedness, darkness, and hopelessness in the power of the Spirit in order to take territory for Christ? I'm not talking about places. I'm talking about people's hearts. God told Joshua and the people, be strong and courageous over and over. Why? Why did he tell them, have to tell them to be strong and courageous? Because they had blown it many times before. Because they were scared. They refused to go into the promised land the first time they sent spies in. Why? Because they were scared. They thought they were outnumbered. They thought they were outmatched. They were intimidated by the enemy. They were intimidated by the battle. And I'm just telling you, it is time that the spirit of intimidation be broken off of God's people. We don't have to be intimidated by our culture. We have the truth that brings life. I know I sound like I'm angry, but I'm not. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. Why did he have to tell, be, say strong, be strong and courageous over and over? Because they had blown it. The enemy was intimidating in spite of the miracles because of the unknown, because they were outnumbered and because they would rather be comfortable just like you and me. Those are the reasons they had to be told over and over again. Climb the ladder. Get on the end of the diving board. I'm about to show you some stuff. 
True consecration is an action step that requires courage. An all-in kind of move. Not just, not just prayer. It starts with prayer. But it's not just a prayer. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an ideal. Consecration is something we act out. Consecration is jumping off the diving board. That's consecration. You can pray prayers of consecration. You can have feelings of consecration. You can have an ideal of being consecrated. But until you act in an all-in kind of way, you've not made that final step of consecration. Consecration acted out with courage and compassion will set us up for wonders. Hear me, and I'm about done. I don't know if we got a piano or not, but my wife just had to leave, so that's okay. We don't have to have moods. If we will act in compassion and courage in response to the Spirit of God this year, we will see wonders. I'm not saying we should. I'm not saying maybe that's what God will do. I'm telling you, We will see wonders if we'll leave the riverbank. If we will leave the riverbank. We don't know what lies ahead in the new year. The dollar could collapse this year. (laughs) Just want to bring a little joy to you. China could do something really stupid and start World War III. A new pandemic could sweep the world. We don't know what's going to happen this year. But here's what we do know. It's time to act. What we do know is people are going to hell every day and some of them because no believer has dared risk trying to show and tell the truth. Some of them are going to hell because no one risked being disliked or rejected or misunderstood and they never reached out. Some are going to hell just because of that. That's what we do know. What we do know, it's time to act. What we do know, it's time to change. What we do know is people are going to hell. What we do know is a lot of believers are suffering alone in their pain and trouble for a lack of another believer investing in them. We do know that. What we do know is the church His reputation is so bad in the communities in the country that Jesus is the last thing many of them want to try. And you can change that. Excuses are falling to the ground. And I wrote this in bold in my notes. We must not delay. We must not defer. We must not dodge responsibility. I just want you to look at the person beside you and just say, I'm responsible. Look at them. I'm responsible. I'm responsible. Some of you didn't do it. You think that's just a little little trick the pastor likes to play. No, some of you need to say that. I'm going to own what you're saying, pastor. I'm going to own it. I'm not just going to listen and say amen. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Let's go eat. 
Yeah, it's five after. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry. It's time to prepare our hearts to step into the water and go to battle, to invest and risk something, to press with urgency of the eternal stakes, to multiply our impact, to start sharing our faith again, to start inviting people to church again, to start praying for the lost people in your life again with expectancy. It's time to start again. Because some of you have done this off and on all your life. And I'm telling you, this is no time to quit. We got to do this. We got to seek the fullness of the Spirit of God. Listen, we need, some of you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to fight the battle that's coming this year. You say, well, what is that? Shame on me that you don't know. Because I'm telling you, you were never called to fight the battles that are in front of you this year without the fullness of the Holy Spirit empowering you. We need to do this. Pray through again. Seek the fullness of the Spirit again. Expect again. Reach out again. Invite again until bodies are healed. Demons are cast out. Prodigals return. The depressed have joy. And besetting sin is defeated. And families are restored through our prayers and our obedience. How dare we settle for anything less? We say we believe in this stuff and I believe we do. It's time to get off the riverbank. Almost there. I need some men's help to pass out a little commitment card. We're about to enter into 21 days of prayer and fasting and it starts tomorrow, day one of the year. I want everybody in this room to have one. That includes, we got a, we got a tribe up here. I want everybody upstairs, one of you go up there and take care of them. As soon as we deal with this, we're going to be done. You say, well, we do this every year. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm sorry. This ain't just another year. This is the year. I, I, I've been feeling this in my heart for a month or two. This is the year. This isn't a year. This is the year. For some of you, this is the year, as Pastor Seth said, this is the year you get victory. This is the year that loved one comes home. This is the year that disease is healed. This is the year that family's restored. This is that year. If you'll get off the riverbank, if God's people as a whole will get off the riverbank and quit playing it safe, quit trying to access the benefits of the gospel without risking anything without investing anything. Jesus isn't a candy machine that you can push all the right buttons and get what you want. He wants relationship. And when you are living in relationship with Jesus in step with the Holy Spirit, you will see wonders. You will see wonders. You will see battles won. I'm not telling you you won't have battles. I'm telling you you can win every battle. When you get it, I just want you to hold it up just like this. Just for a second. I just want to see how, where we're at. Everybody over here has got them. Okay, everybody over here got them. How about in the balcony? We got them. You ain't got them yet? They're coming. They're coming.
while they're coming. I just there's 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 three or four commitments on there. One is to pray five minutes every day for the next 21 days. You say, I pray five minutes a day. Here's what I want you to pray for. I want you to pray for needs the first week. I want you to pray for other people's needs and your needs. Pray for breakthrough in people's individual lives. The next week, I want you to pray through the seven prayer priorities that are on that card sitting in your seat. The next, the third week, the last week of the 21 days, we're going to pray through our vision. Loving Jesus, connecting people, sharing hope. We're going to pray through our values, be in a house of prayer and Holy Spirit and wholeness and sacrifice and engagement. We're going to pray through those things in that five minutes every day. But I'm also challenging you to be in a gathered prayer meeting at least once a week for the next three weeks. I will be right here at 6 o'clock Monday through Friday. I will go through a 30-minute cycle of prayer with you. You're not just going to come in, kneel down, try to stay awake with some lazy, uh, sleepy uh, worship music playing. No, at 6 o'clock, I'm going to gather whoever's here together. We're going to praise God for a few minutes. Then we're going to pray for one another's needs. And then we're going to pray for the bigger picture together. We're going to go through that cycle every 30 minutes. And I'm going to do that every weekday morning and I'm going to do it on Saturday from 8.45 to 9.45. And then on Sunday, I'm challenging you, don't just show up here at 10.30. Show up here at 8.45 and pray with me through this building. And let's just see what will happen if God's people will get off the riverbank. There's power in agreement. You say, I can pray at home. Yes, you can. But you don't get everything God's got for you by praying alone at home. It's necessary, essential, and foundational. But there is an extra something that happens when we pray together with God's people. And I'm challenging you, find one day every week to gather with God's people to pray. All of that's listed on that card. Put that card in your Bible and take it with you. But what they've handed you is a commitment card and I'm going to ask you to bring it forward. I know we're busy. I know we live from Fairview all the way to Boaz. From Grant all the way to Fry Gap. We live from Douglas all the way to wherever, to Crossville. I get that. I get many of you can't be here at six, anywhere between six and eight o'clock in the morning. You got to work. But you can be here on Saturday morning. You can be here early on Sunday morning. You can be here next Sunday night when we have a prayer encounter for the whole church. You can be here on Friday night when Johnny Jernigan comes the third week of January and leads us in prayer about outreach. You can be here then. I'm just saying, it's time to get off the riverbank. It's time to quit depending on everybody else to pray your prayers for you. It's time to get off dead center and start owning, owning the responsibility to push out and press the advantage of the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's Word and the power of the gospel to change a culture. You think our culture is more wicked than the Roman Empire? You haven't read history. And the gospel transformed one of the most wicked regimes that lasted the longest. 500 years, Thomas? Will? I'm sorry, Thomas. Will? Five, roughly 500 years, Roman Empire? One of the most wicked, long-lasting empires in history. And yet the gospel transformed it.
I just want you to hold it up. I want to pray with you. You see what the commitments are. I'm asking everybody to fast one meal. Everybody here, even if you're on diabetic medicine, can probably fast one meal. Maybe. I don't know. Talk to Gail about that. I just want to ask Holy Spirit to tell you what he wants you to commit to do. And I'm asking you as your pastor to do all four of those. I'm asking you to do every one of them. Hold it up. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Will you pray that? Do you, do you, will, you leave, will you risk enough to pray that prayer? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do in these 21 days to get off of my riverbank and invest and risk so that I, my family, my friends, my church, my community can win battles in 2024? Speak to my heart. I don't want to just do something because I'm in front of people. I want to do it because you've spoken to my heart. Because I know, Father, if your spirit isn't motivating a, a, a consecration moment this morning, we won't follow through. Or we'll follow through just out of dogged determinism and not out of love and obedience and surrender. We want to surrender and consecrate ourselves these 21 days for all the right reasons. Touch our heart. Motivate us by your spirit. If you're willing to pray that prayer, would you just say amen to it? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to mark what the spirit inspires you to mark. And I'm telling you, the spirit has inspired me to challenge you to mark all four. I'm not trying to tell you when to come to a prayer meeting, but I'm telling you coming to a prayer meeting is essential if we're going to win together as a church this year. And then I want you to bring it down. And there's one more thing. As you bring your thing down and lay it on the altar, I want you to go to that board and take someone's prayer request with you and pray for it every day this week. You hear what I'm saying? Bring your commitment and lay it on the altar as an act of consecration and walk over there and just take a prayer request. Understanding this, you're going to pray at least once every day for the next seven days for that prayer request. Are you ready? Stand with me. Yeah, we're 15 minutes over. This is eternity here. We're not talking about, we're not talking about a program here. We're talking about a posture. We're talking about an attitude. We're talking about consecration this morning. We're not talking about pleasing the pastor. We're talking about hearing the Spirit. And the Spirit has spoken this morning. The issue is, am I listening and will I respond? Just lay your commitment on the altar. And if you will, go pick one of those prayer requests. Understanding you're going to pray about that request every day this week. Expecting battles to be won. This week, this week, can I tell you, the enemies will grow dim. The impossibilities will grow dim in the light of His glory and grace, in the light of His awesome face. And when we get off the riverbank, we will see Jesus moving. Can we just thank Him in advance right now? And I'm going to say Happy New Year. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank You 
You have moved us a step closer to the water. And Lord, we're ready to step in and ready to see your wonders, ready to win battles, ready to pray breakthrough until we see it. And Lord, we thank you in advance for the testimonies that will be told next Sunday in Jesus' name. Let us win victory in 2024. Can you say a hearty amen? God bless you. Love one another.